Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mike is Always Right podcast. I am your host, Mike. I am just a small town guy trying to make a difference to the tens of tens of people that listen to this podcast. So thank you very much for joining me today. I just got done spending a couple days out at the St. Croix County Fair uh, that is in Glenwood City, and I had an amazing time. I spent several hours out there. I interviewed several people. Uh, we have the, the Heroes of St. Croix County. I'd encourage you to listen to those two episodes. But this particular episode is going to be focused on the political candidates. We have a primary election coming up on August the 9th, and I would just tell you this. I was surprised because in addition to doing the interviews, I was just meeting random people. People I don't know their names, people I don't know their stories. They would walk up and they just want to talk. And there were so many people that that didn't have a lot of information. They didn't know all of the candidates. So th- there was two different things I found. They didn't know the candidates by name or they had heard but didn't know a lot about the candidate or they didn't know there was an addition there was additional candidates running in a particular race right so there was a few names that they would know from the lieutenant governor's race a few names they would know from the ag's race a few names they would know from the governor's race but they really didn't know the people and they would ask you know what do you think about this person what do you think about that person i had to be very very careful listen i'm going to tell you what i personally think and i'll give you the rundown And what I kept coming back to is the bulk of these folks I've interviewed. So we're going to go back and on social media, I'm going to post all the links to all the different candidates that are going to be running on the August 9th primary. And I would recommend going back and listening to them. Go back and listen to these folks in their own words, right? Go back and listen to Adam Jarko. Go back and listen to Kara Mueller. Go back and listen to Eric Toney. All three of the AG candidates I was very fortunate enough to interview. Listen to Jay Schrader, Secretary of State candidate. Listen to Orlando Owens. He's candidate for treasurer. And and John Leiber. Great, great, great people. So what I want specifically for folks to understand is because I didn't interview somebody, doesn't mean I don't support them. Doesn't mean I don't like them. Doesn't mean they're a horrible individual and I just wouldn't put them on the show. Listen, things happen. I was very fortunate specifically to connect with Patrick Teston and Kyle Hughes. I have been dancing with Kyle Hughes for months, and I feel bad because he is a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. We just haven't been able to make it happen, but we were able to make it happen at the fair. Same thing with Patrick Teston, and I very much enjoyed talking with them. I enjoyed uh, the interviews we did. Hopefully, you will enjoy them, and they will influence your decision as to how you're going to vote. But I challenge you, listen to these people. Listen in their own words when they have to answer questions about moving forward. They have to answer questions about how they would govern and how they would serve the people. It's very, very important because this is a very, very important time in our country's history. So this particular episode is going to be live at the St. Croix County Fair. And the sound is going to be a little difficult, okay, because we were open air. There were people walking up. There were people walking around. Hey, can you tell me how much this hat is? I'm like... I don't know how much the hat is, but, you know, we'll ask somebody, right? People would walk up and just randomly ask questions or wave or whatever, and that's great. I absolutely love every single solitary second of what we got to do because it was fun, and we were able to meet people and shake hands and kiss babies and do all the great stuff. So this is going to be quite an interesting episode. The sound may be a little bit challenging, but listen to these candidates. They are barnstorming. They are going place to place to place to place to place. They are out there meeting as many people as they can, shaking as many hands as they can, and making their case as to why 
they should be the next representative at the lieutenant governor or the, the secretary of state or the treasurer or, you know, uh, there's so many different things, right? So take the time, listen to them, enjoy. We appreciate you very much. All right, everybody here. We're at the St. Croix County Fair today with candidate for Attorney General Karen Mueller. Karen, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Well, that is just good to hear. So, uh, you can't hear. I didn't think you could hear me. You, you can't hear? Uh, I know, it's I guess, very difficult. I guess I need to. There you go. That's a little bit better. Okay. And, and this is the fun part about the fair. You got loud fans you got yes. loud fans you've got okay like this <laughs> there you go yes hello cindy werner hi cindy hello cindy hey. werner so folks we are here with ag candidate karen mueller i hope everybody is having a great day karen you doing all right today i'm doing just fine we are we are running on uh, on not a lot of sleep a lot of caffeine and good times right 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 so, so we've been around the state been around the state you're meeting a lot of people you're talking to a lot of folks um, just tell us what you're hearing out there. Tell us what you're hearing from the people you're talking to. Uh, the people that I'm hearing uh, from are pretty upset about the election still, and they are in favor of having the election decertified. Okay. So, uh, and we may be moving in that direction. Okay. Uh, people are so disgusted, and they're disgusted with our legislature. Okay. They're disgusted with WEC the Wisconsin Election Commission. The Clown Commission, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they they want to see some action here. We've got two weeks left before the primary, and uh, they're trying to make up their mind about which is the candidate that they want to support. And uh, so what I would say to that is I am absolutely in favor of decertification. Uh, in fact, I first filed, uh, that would be Mueller v. Weck, and that was within 30 days of the election steal. So, so it wasn't like you were late to the party. You were leading the party. No, I, w I was pretty early to the yeah, party there. Yeah. And so I filed that case and went to the Supreme Court with it. And at the Supreme Court level, they decided not to hear it. You they, know? they just said, we don't, we're just turning a blind eye. No, not interested, not a big issue. Ha ha. Um, you know. <laughs> I, I love that. Ha-ha. Yeah. Yes. You know, so within 30 days of the election, they weren't interested in hearing about it. and uh, But there was an important one-line dissent. It was a four-to-three decision, and the conservative justices said, it is time we stop shirking our institutional responsibilities to the citizens of Wisconsin. So, so uh, hold on. I want you to repeat that, because that right there, <laughs> that's something that you very rarely get, right? Somebody that's going to say that so give me that one more time because i think that is so important well it is important because normally when they would decide to not hear you know they would have a unanimous decision and there was already the split uh between in between the conservative and the liberal yeah and they they were so incensed that this wasn't an important case to take that the three conservative justices said it is time we stop shirking our institutional responsibilities to the citizens of Wisconsin. And of course, what they meant was we should have taken that case. Yeah. 
but they well, didn't. It, and that's funny that they would put that out there without hearing the case, right? They didn't hear the case. They didn't have any witnesses doing it. But even just on its premise, what the lawsuit was asking for, they're like, hey, we need to do better. Right. Well, when you're filing for an original action, which is what I did, and an original action is one that you bring directly to the Supreme Court. Okay. You bypass the lower courts. Yep, yep. And that's how I brought that one. And there's criteria that you're supposed to follow. And uh, two of the criteria are that they want a case that is strictly a matter of law. They don't want one that uh, where they have to decide facts. Ah, because okay. that becomes... Uh, questions for the jury. I right? got you. That makes sense. Okay. okay. And then the second uh, criteria is is that it's an issue that affects all of Wisconsin. Okay. Well, in both of those cases, uh, we would we got checked the box yep. because the way I formed the question was, as a matter of law, under the statute, are the boxes legal or illegal? Which now, which now we're two years past. We're almost two years and, past. And we just recently, within the last couple of weeks, had the Supreme Court say, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, right. these boxes, no bueno. Right. And for those right. of you that don't speak Espanol, that meant that ain't good, right? Right. Not good. Yeah. And, and in fact, they said unconstitutional. Yeah. Yes. So... A little late to the party. The way that that came about was uh, about three months after the Supreme Court rejected my case, I got a call from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, and they wanted to know where the boxes were. And they also wanted to know a little bit more information about my case, and they wanted to know if I had a problem with them taking the case down to the circuit court because they had a couple of plaintiffs. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and so I gave them that information, and I said, no problem, you go for it. And uh, so they did, and they filed Tegan v. Weck, and that was the case that in January of this year, Judge Boren in Waukesha County said that, yeah, the boxes are not only illegal, but the guidelines that Megan Wolf uh, created out of guidelines that came out of the federal government were also illegal. So we're, we're swinging a miss on both ones. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not even close to doing anything popular, right? No. Anything, anything good. Right. And so the boxes were illegal, the guidelines were illegal, and um, that was immediately appealed by WEC. And so they went up to the because, appellate... Because WEC doesn't want to admit any sort of fault in this. Well, I think it's more than that even. Yeah. But, you know... I got you. Yeah. Uh, so it was immediately appealed, and right after they appealed it, um, Will took it on a bypass... Mm -hmm up to the Supreme Court, yep. and they accepted it this time. Yep. And what happened next was that uh, there was oral arguments in May, and that was Will that uh, had the oral arguments, yep. and then Weck. And uh, just then, two weeks ago now, two weeks ago today, yeah. the Supreme Court of Wisconsin came out with that decision yep. and said the boxes absolutely are illegal yep. under Wisconsin law. Now, I think it's interesting, the premise for all of this, right, if we remember back to what the premise was, we got to make it easier to vote. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We, we, we have to put these things up right. Do you think it's interesting whenever people start talking now, and this is obviously hindsight, right? We're looking backwards. It's an emergency. We got to do these things. And it always seems like there's not enough time to ask questions. 
from a legal perspective, right? That's correct. But then finally, when we start asking the right questions, lo and behold, this definitely is not kosher. Well, we have had rulings that basically say that our constitutional rights uh, are not easily set aside, and they're not set aside simply because we have an emergency. And or, or what people deem as an emergency. Right. Ah, yeah, that, that, yeah. They, they need to prove it. Yeah. And as you. we went on, what we found was that the numbers weren't adding up here. Of course, here. yes. So we were left with a situation where uh, there was all sorts of these boxes that were put out, and they were put out illegally. And uh, the Wisconsin voters, the Wisconsin citizens have paid the price. Yep. Because we have sat here for well over a year and a half now wondering whether the boxes were going to be found legal or illegal or yeah. and uh, whether we should go back and decertify the election. So if you're just joining us, I'm here with Kara Mueller. She is running for AG, the Attorney General for the state of Wisconsin. And we're talking about not only election security, we're talking election integrity, yes. right? We're talking about election legality, really what we're talking about, especially when it comes to drop boxes and things like that. We were just talking about what she's been hearing on the campaign trail. Besides the decertification, besides the election, what are some of the other things you're hearing from the constituents out there in all these different counties and places you're going to? Well, the, um, the two reasons why I decided to run were on the number of people that had called me and said that their loved ones had been killed in the hospitals. Now, I know that's a shocking statement, but every time I go and I speak somewhere, 30 to 50 percent of the room raises their hands to the questions, do they know somebody that has been injured in the hospital? I just got off the phone a couple hours ago with a cardiac surgeon from another state who absolutely agrees with my assessment. So let me just, let me just clarify, because I want to make sure we're making the, the correct clarification. We're not necessarily talking about COVID per se. We're talking about, I don't know, I don't even want to know if I want to call them vaccines, but we're talking about these experimental drugs that were pushed on people by the hospitals, right? That, that's, that's really the core of what we're talking about, correct? I just want to make sure we're understanding. Well, what I'm talking about here is the COVID-19 protocols. Okay. And what, the po what that means regarding the protocols is, is that they were withholding ivermectin which was a drug that was safe. Yep. And it's been, been used for, uh, if I 40, remember correctly, yeah, 40, almost 50 years, right? It also won yeah. the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And but, but uh, hey, we don't need that right now, do that. we? Yeah, forget no, that. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary. It might we hurt shouldn't somebody. Have that. Oh, right. you know, and that's just for horses. Yes. That's only for horses. Right. Yeah. The problem is it worked. I know it worked personally because it helped me. In fact, I was in the hospital very sick for several weeks. Yeah. And uh, I believe I would have died. They wanted me on a ventilator, and I kept saying, no, I'm not going on a ventilator. Yeah, because that's pretty much the end of it right there. Right, yeah. right, right. The only thing that helped me was that I had access to ivermectin yeah. while I was in the hospital. Yeah. And, and we're talking about a drug, which is interesting, because when you start, and, and uh, you and I have had this conversation, others and I have had this conversation, it's always follow the money, right? That's, yeah. that's the, the main the main deal, follow the money. Yep. You're talking about a drug, ivermectin, that's probably 10, 12 bucks. Yeah. Right? Not very expensive at all. Yeah. And it is way past its generic, you know. So you can get a name brand, you can get a generic. 
you're paying 10, 12 bucks out of pocket. Right. But Big Pharma says, how are we going to make a profit on that? Right. Thus, the nineteen COVID-19 protocols. Very much. Very much so. So they were withholding the ivermectin, and then they would give, in many of the cases where they called me, uh, where the families called me, what they were doing was they were giving two drugs uh, that were uh, very dangerous. Uh, everybody's heard about remdesivir, yep. and it has about a 50% chance of causing kidney failure. Yeah, uh, no way. Yeah. You don't say. I know. It's and, and, and that's the thing, right? It's, it's, this is published scientific evidence when you look at things like side effects, right? right? right. You look at things like proper dosing, what you should do with one drug and maybe not another, and mix these and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting that you would say, and 50%. That wasn't 50% from what was given in COVID. That was 50% associated with the drug itself. That's right. Wow. Right. So generally what would happen is people would go to the hospital. Some of my clients went in and or their loved ones went in. and They didn't even have any symptoms other than maybe a urinary tract infection. They would be tested for the COVID. Obviously, that would always come back positive yep. because we have a false positive rate of 90%. But nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody either. wants to talk about that. Yep. And the hospital would get about $2,000 for that. No so, kidding. So, so if we were in the studio right now, I would have put a ching right for every person that walks through that door. Yeah. Very and let's just test them all, kids. Yes. Yeah. So what would happen next is that the people... Um, would immediately be checked into the hospital and they would start them on the remdesivir and another Ching. drug. And, and there's a joint EUA out there and most people aren't aware of it. And it started in February of 2020. And it was a combination of remdesivir and another drug called baricitinib. Okay. Okay. And so when the people got both of those drugs, not only did they, they get the 20% bump on the overall patient bill, uh, because they were being given the remdesivir, uh, but by being given the uh, baricitinib, the joint EUA, they were given immunity. The so hospital got immunity. immunity for giving Isn't that great? Well, and, and here's, mean, here's the interesting thing. This was all, and unless unless I'm mistaken, and you, and you know this, so this, I'm mistaking this, this was all put into the American Rescue Act when we were talking about the initial uh, uh, stuff that Congress was doing to help the hospitals fight the COVID. That's right. So there was financial incentives to fight the COVID. Somebody didn't read the bill. Oh, how could we read it? We, we have to pass the bill you before we can read it. Come it. on, right. yeah. You Come on, Nance. So, 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 so what would happen next is, is that after four or five days of being on these two drugs, the people needed a ventilator. That's if they didn't come in with symptoms. And once they were on the ventilator, then they would be charged thirty-nine, or they would get thirty-nine thousand. The hospital would. Wow. Yep. And then, I mean, we're talking. We're not. We're not talking lunch money. <laughs> we're, no. We're not even talking no. a night out at a nice restaurant. It gets better, yeah, or worse. Okay. Depending on how you look at it, you're but right. Depending on who you are. Yeah, exactly. If you're the patient, not so good. If you're the hospital administrator, yeah. Absolutely. Because what I started putting together, because of the sheer volume of calls I was getting, I was taking notes, comparing what had happened, yeah, different, yeah. what was going on in each case. Did it, did it seem like you were almost writing the same thing for each? It's all very similar. It was very similar. Wow. And what happened was, in the end, I had a number of uh, uh, 
people that had called and they were very upset of course because their loved one had died in most cases and they said well what they did was that uh, after about five days on the ventilator uh, somebody from the hospital often a doctor or another staff person would come to the family and would say uh, you need to think about comfort care here or you need to sign the DNR order. We, we need to have end-of-life care. That's we need to at. have end-of-life yeah. care here. Yeah, there's just, there's just no hope. Right, right. And um, I got involved because of uh, one gentleman whose uh, nephew had been the uh, power of attorney, and he hired me, and we took that uh, uh, the, the issue of the ivermectin. Um, <coughs> obviously, he was still alive, and we took that issue into court and this was Waukesha Circuit Court, and uh, we won. And uh, so uh, he, the gentleman was going to be given the ivermectin, and uh, the hospital... Now, 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 time out on that for just a second. Here, yeah. Here's the interesting thing. Yeah. I, I hear the other side so often talking about patient rights. We want doctors to make decisions, right? We, we, we want those, those types of things. But how do you do that? I mean, do you find it very sad, I don't know if that's the right word for it, that you had to go to court to get a doctor to keep his Hippocratic Oath of doing no harm? And of, and of trying to keep somebody alive. Yeah. There's a shocker. There's a shocker. Yeah. Um, especially, uh, okay, so what happened then is, is that before the ivermectin was administered, the hospital appealed it. And not only did the appellate court take the case, but they stayed the order. And so they just, basically... Let's just time out, kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. they turned their back on a dying man, Wow, is what they did. Wow. I immediately bypassed that to the Supreme Court, and it went up to the Supreme Court. Uh, this was back in October of last year. And what happened there was that uh, they, too, in a two-part decision, decided to not hear the case. Wow. Sound familiar? Wow. Um, and so what they did is is that it was a four to three decision again, and the three conservative female justices uh, concurred in an opinion. And I would encourage everybody to go read those dissents. They're only a couple pages long each. Uh, Rebecca Bradley wrote those decisions, and she took uh, not only the appellate court out to the woodshed, but yep. she also took... Um, her fellow justices on the Supreme Court yeah. out to the woodshed yeah. and was talking about life and that they didn't often have the opportunity to intervene and save somebody's life and that they should have taken that case. Yeah, wow. So anyway, what happened then, they rejected it, went down to the appellate court, and of course I figured I was not going to do very well there. And no surprise, uh, we lost that ruling in uh, May of this year. Keep in mind, this is an expedited appeal that is now eight months old. We're, we're going, we're going like this. We're, we're at least trying. Lightning speed, right? Here. Right. And um, I uh, appealed to the Supreme Court, and I did that two weeks ago, and I'm waiting to hear if the Supreme Court will take that case. So, so let me ask you something. Just th this is this may not be politics. This this is just this is just life stuff. Okay, I'm I'm curious. What does it feel like, and what does that drive for you when they keep saying no? Because that's got to be rough, right? I mean, you you would you would think these people are judges; they know the law. 
I mean, for God's sake, these are human beings, right? You you would think that you you, you wouldn't get the door slammed so much. I mean, how does that how does that fit on you mentally? Like, what does that do? Because that's got to be frustrating, right? Like, can nobody hear me? Well, it's very frustrating, and when you're trying to uh, keep somebody alive. Um, literally, and we're not talking metaphorically. We're not. We're not talking no. in metaphors here. No. We're talking literally. A man's life is in the balance here. That's right. And we got people that are saying no and closing doors. Let's be honest. That's right. Uh, it's very disheartening. It's very sad. It's a very sad commentary on our court system in Wisconsin. Ain't that the truth? Uh, and yet there was hope because we have these three justices that decide that uh, said differently. Yeah. And uh, so that's where we're at right now. I'm waiting to hear if they're going to take the case. And uh, we will see what happens this time. Interesting. So August 9th, we're having the primary. We're, we're, we're just a couple weeks away. Yeah. So where are you going to be? What is the need? How can people reach out? How can they get more information about you? Yeah. How, 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 what's, what's, what's the ask, right? You, always, always, right. Uh, you end with the ask. What's the ask? Before I answer that, can I back up and say you, something? Go on. You're the um, one. You're driving. I'm just basically in the back seat. Let's do it. Well, the thing is, is that you asked about whether or what people are saying out there. And uh, interestingly, I've run into many people in the past week down in Milwaukee area, Waukesha, Dane County. And when I tell them this story, I always get, well, my mom, my aunt, my dad, everybody knows somebody that died in this way. This is a not this isolated. A this is not yeah. isolated. Yeah, exactly. This is an extreme problem that is going on in Wisconsin hospitals. We have COVID-19 protocols that are killing people. Still? Yes. Today? Yes. This ain't something that happened six months ago. This is something we're talking right. about in the... This isn't the, uh, the sweet right. by and by. This is the nasty now and now, bottom line, right? Right. And then there's another line of cases that people are telling me about, and these people are being euthanized. Wow. Everything has changed in our hospitals, and what I wanted to say is the reason I am running for attorney general is to try to stop the killing. And it's not only with the ivermectin not being given and the dangerous drugs being given, it's also the shots. The shots don't work. How many boosters does it take before you go? The first three didn't work. I'm on my 37th booster in the 15th year. I think I'm feeling better now. Cough, cough, give me the mask. We have a serious problem here, and it's coming out of our federal government. And as the next attorney general, I intend to form a coalition of attorney generals, and we are going to go after the criminals in Washington. So I wanted to say that before I tell you about my ask, if that's okay. I love it. I love it. So uh, I'm going around the state. We've got two weeks left before the primary, August 9th, and I hope people will come out and vote. Can we can we say she's barnstorming if we're not in Iowa? Is that legal? I just want to make sure. I don't want I don't want to break yeah. any laws here. She's barnstorming it before we get to August 9th. I love it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just spent the week down in uh, Milwaukee. I was up in Green Bay. I'm going back to Green Bay tomorrow. And uh, different cities down in the southern part of the state. Yes, ma'am. And there's a lot of interest. Uh, people are saying, I'm seeing your signs everywhere. Uh, I would encourage people to uh, contact me through my website. 
uh, they can get signs. I'm also asking people to tell their friends if they are interested in voting for me to hand out cards, even to go to parades or fairs like I mean, this. I mean, tell your friends, tell your enemies, right? Tell everybody. Tell everybody. That's right. This this is not a partisan issue. Yeah. People are dying. Yeah. We're talking and about we, life here. We have to figure this out. When we better figure this one out quickly. All right. So the website address is. Mueller four. That's the number, the number four, four. AG.com. Okay, so Mueller four, the number four, AG.com. You can go That's there. That's correct. It's going to give all the information. It's going to give right. your platform stances, all that great stuff. Right. It should also have a wonderful button that says donate, right? Because that's right. Every candidate, right, needs needs donations because that's how this yep. works. Yep. Yep. We're also right now really looking for large sign placement. I have four okay. by four and four by eight signs. Okay. Would love to get them out on the interstates, nice. the major highways, nice. big uh, visible positions within the uh, cities. So they can uh, contact me through my website again, say where the location is. Yep. So, um, and I just love to talk to people. So once again, the website is Mueller4AG.com, Mueller4AG.com. We'll put that in the show notes so everybody knows where they can go and sign up, get information, and see if we can get some better uh, coverage for your signs. Karen, thank you so much for dropping by. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for your questions. Um, I love chatting with you. Good deal. Thank You're you so much. You're a great interviewer. So, thanks. All right, everybody. Welcome to the St. Croix County Fair 2022. I am Mike. I am the host of the Mike is Always Right podcast. And with me today is Lieutenant Governor Candidate Pat Tested. Pat, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Mike. We're coming up on uh, two weeks on Tuesday from the August 9th primary, and so we are in the final sprint of this we campaign. We are getting close. I don't know, I made this comment yesterday, I don't know if legally we can say you're barnstorming because we're not in Iowa, but I mean, it seems like you guys are everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we've got a really great problem in the Republican Party right now where we've got a lot of great candidates up and down the ballot from yep. governor, attorney general, secretary of state, lieutenant governor. And I think that just shows the strength and depth of, the, of our party, and we've got such a deep bench. And so it has been a blast. I remember being here almost a year ago to the day yep, yep. as I was still exploring about the possibility of getting into the race for lieutenant governor. And since then, it has been an incredible opportunity to crisscross the state, to be in virtually every single corner of the state of Wisconsin, to hear what's on people's minds. And I can tell you that there is a true hunger and appetite right now to have a, a new awakening, a conservative renaissance, if you will, provided we can get Tony Evers out of office this November, which is the primary reason why I entered this race. Just make him the one-term Tony. Absolutely. Right, that, that's the goal. So let me ask this. So, so having said that, let me just piggyback on what you're saying. Going so many places, seeing so many different people, you know, doing the research, you know, I think you count the cost, right, before you build a house, right? So count the cost. You decided you're going to get in. What are the main maybe two or three things that you're hearing from people that you're shaking hands, you're kissing babies, you're doing the political thing, right? What are you hearing from people on specific issues? I mean, right now, the, one of the biggest issues that we're facing as a state is inflation. Yep. Now, granted, much of this is being driven by the federal government and the reckless spending that's coming out of Congress. I mean, I remember back in 09, the uproar when the Obama administration was bailing out the banks, bailing out the auto industry. We are talking bills in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Now everything that comes out of Congress is in the trillions of dollars. Yeah, to the have, point, B's and T's, right? Exactly. That, that's all we're looking at now. So you can't even fathom those numbers. So now we're staring at 40-year high inflation. In fact, it's so bad. Um, I've had conversations with constituents of mine. So not that long ago, I was in Wisconsin Rapids talking with a constituent, and 
super nice lady. She is on the verge of retirement on a fixed income, but she literally told me that there are nights she will go without having supper so she can save a few extra dollars so she can put gas in her car so she can get to work. Yeah. It is 2022 in America, and these are decisions that are being made on a daily basis. Yeah. On top of that, we've got so many other issues going on right now. The issue on crime. Crime was up 9% in the state of Wisconsin, and it is spilling out all across the state, even up here in northwest Wisconsin, where the number one cause of death for individuals 18 to 45 is fentanyl overdoses. Gun crimes are up 60% in the city of Milwaukee. We saw what transpired in the wake of George Floyd over in the Twin Cities, yep. and it has spilled out over to here. And yep. so it turns out bad guys pay attention to what our leaders say and what they do and don't do. And in the case of our current administration, after George Floyd, after Jacob Blake, we had an administration, a governor, a lieutenant governor, attorney general, who got out in the front of the cameras with knee-jerk reactions saying we need to throw law enforcement under the bus because they're more beholden to the radical woke left than the brave men and women who walk the thin blue line every single day. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing. We were, we were talking yesterday with several different people, and you, you can't have it both ways, right? You can't defund, vilify, and, and tell you how terrible the police are, and then try to eliminate the 2A, right? You, you, you can't do that. How do, we, how do we protect ourselves? And, and I think, to, to your point about crime, it's not something, in, in federal specifically, that was just a border states thing, remember? Like, that was just, that was just oh, yeah. Texas and Arizona and, you know, California. That's those states down there. Holy crap, it is coming up here with a vengeance, and we're seeing a lot of that stuff right here in River City. I mean, that, that's crazy, right? Well, it, it is terrifying. So, I mean, you talk to any sheriff or law enforcement officer right now, the stuff that they're seeing and dealing with, the methamphetamines, the fentanyl, it is coming from across from the southern border. Yep. They're using gains and other types of networks. They use the interstate systems to traffic it all throughout our communities here in the state. And it is poisoning kids. It is killing individuals. And if you remember one of the first acts that Tony Evers did when he was governor, we had National Guard soldiers down on the border with a support mission. He pulled them back. Yep. This was all a political move to try and bludgeon the Trump administration. Yep. And it was like within the first two days. Absolutely. It's one of the first things he did by executive order. He brought them all back. So my hope is, is that if we have a new governor in place come Jan January 2023, that we can have a serious conversation about sending assets and resources down to the border to help individuals like Governor Abbott and others on the border states who are literally saying they are being invaded on a daily basis. Yep. I recently had a conversation with Senator Ron Johnson uh, last weekend after he just got back from a trip to the border and what he saw was eye-opening I mean literally uh, these these coyotes are taunting law enforcement yep. they're literally hanging uh, underwear of raped women on yep. trees to taunt law enforcement officers yep. and law enforcement our border agents have both hands tied behind their back yep. we need to get a handle on it because it is impacting Wisconsin because they are being bust up here and we have no way of knowing who these individuals are and we have no recourse currently to send them back. Yeah. Well, and if you have a hundred Border Patrol agents that are working on this humanitarian crisis, this massive humanity coming over, what are they not doing? They're not enforcing the border. They're not being able to go after those coyotes. They're not being able to do those things because they're being bum-rushed with people. And, and I remember growing up in Southern California in the 80s and 90s, they didn't want to find people who were coming over legally, didn't want the Border Patrol to find them. Now they get over and they're looking for the closest agent. Okay, now I want asylum, send me somewhere else. Yeah. And it's and it's affecting people here. You don't think it is, but it is. So that that's kind of the, the interesting thing that, that we're talking about. I mean, inflation, we're talking about crime. Talk to me about taxes, because that's another thing that I know a lot of different candidates have kind of sprinkled out there. You know, we wanna do this, we wanna do that. 
obviously knowing that a lot of times that isn't within their purview, but it's something that they work on the legislature with, right? Yep. Where, where, where are you going? Where would you like to go as far as what we do in Wisconsin as far as how we tax our individuals? Well, first off, Wisconsin has done a tremendous job since Governor Walker first took office and every single budget that was introduced and the last uh, three budgets that I voted for, we have provided significant tax relief, specifically for uh, the middle class. Yep. And to the tune of over $22 billion with all the other reforms and the income tax cuts that we have proposed, we are trying to get more money back in the hands of taxpayers because I'm a firm believer that anytime we can get, we can get um, our revenues out of Madison and get it back into taxpayers' hands, they're going to make the best and wisest decisions for that. So even though we've made significant strides within tax reform here in the state, per capita we are still one of the highest tax states in the country. I would personally love to see us get to a point where we abolish the state income tax. And here's the reason why. When you take a look at the latest census data, the states that saw the largest increase of new individuals moving into their states, it was, was Texas, was, Tennessee, Florida. Not only do they have great governors, there's no income tax. and It's just cheaper to be there. Exactly. And so oftentimes, anytime that we have cut taxes in the state of Wisconsin, the liberals right away, they say, well, you're going to have a, a deficit. You're going to have a deficit. And you're going to cut services. That's and we're going to scare the folks. But we have proven time and time again that you can cut taxes and still make critical investments in areas like education, healthcare, infrastructure, broadband, without expanding government welfare programs. And on top of that, we've been able to increase our surpluses. The state of Wisconsin is staring down the barrel of nearly a $4 billion surplus going into this next biennium. I cannot think of a better opportunity to then have a serious conversation on what it's going to take and look like to get rid of the income tax. I mean, how appropriate would it be? Wisconsin was the very first state to create the income tax. Yep. How great would it be to finally follow suit and throw the income tax six feet yep. underground yep. and send up the signal that Wisconsin's a great place to live, work, and raise a family? Now, there are not a lot of duties expressly given to Lieutenant Governor, right? You're supposed to serve in the event that the governor's incapacitated or, or whatnot, right? But there's not a lot of specific duties. Where would you plug in? Where, where would be your heart? And, and a lot of times I like to ask candidates, right? So you run for this, you win the primary, you win the general. Yay, that's great. Hey, that's awesome. I knew him one, right? Now you do your, your terms, you do that stuff. Legacy. What do you want those things? What were you hoping to accomplish? What is what is going to be your legacy kind of forward looking, looking forward? So there's no question that on paper, the role of the Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor doesn't have a lot of job responsibilities. Yeah. I've often joked that if I was running for lieutenant governor in the state of Illinois, I would simply wait for the current governor to get carried out in handcuffs and then, <laughs> pray, boom, you're in. then pray to God it doesn't happen to you. Um, I think one of the reasons why you have seen so many individuals express interest and have stepped up to run for this office is you take a look at what our former lieutenant governor was able to do with it. I mean, Rebecca Clayfish went around the entire state of Wisconsin to highlight our business community, to work with them hand in hand, and then also attracted new developments and opportunities from outside of Wisconsin. That's the exact same approach that I want to take, but then take it a step further, because we have a significant demographic challenge here in the state of Wisconsin. Our population that is 65 or older are set to increase by about 75% by the year 2034. So we have to do a, a much better job of training up our future workforce. We then have to retain that workforce here in the state, break the narrative, you don't need a four-year college degree to have a good career, expand our youth apprenticeship programs, put more money into vocational training, our tech colleges, and then on top of that, we have to go out and attract the workforce from outside of the state. I've often said if I get the privilege to be the next lieutenant governor, I want to don a blaze orange vest and go in states like Illinois, which are proverbial dumpster fires, who are taxing their citizenry and their businesses into oblivion. And, and basically make the case. You know what? You might not 
might might not like all of our sports teams, but we got better beer, we got True. better brats. True. Our quality of living is a heck of a lot better. So come to Wisconsin, and I think if we can enact significant tax reform, like getting rid of the income tax, that's going to go a long way to helping make it an easier decision that move to Wisconsin. I, I mean, think, I think if we had better deep dish pizza, it'd be like Montclair Plain, right? I mean, they, they'd all be yeah. up there, but then they'd be all Bears fans. And But no, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it seems as though from the outside looking in with the Lieutenant Governor, it's, it's almost like sleep. You know what I mean? You're going to make that office, right? And you're going to work towards the, the, the governor's, you know, agenda, right? And I think there's a lot of good that can be done. So we're in the stretch. We're in the sprint. And there's a lot of you. And I say a lot of you, and there's a lot of different candidates, a lot of good people, a lot of, a lot of folks that are running there. How do people find more information about you? Yeah, if people want to learn more about our campaign, uh, you can visit my website, patrickpeston.com. Follow us on social media. You'll see that we are literally everywhere. And uh, I encourage you to check out our website. And if anyone ever has any questions, feel free to reach out because we do have a crowded field. Like I said, this is a good problem to have because yeah, having such a great competition like this, it makes all the candidates better because we have to go out there and work our tails off and make the case to voters directly yeah. as to why we should be the nominee, be the, help be the standard bearer for our party going into the fall elections because, quite, quite frankly, the reason I got into this race is because if we wake up the day after the November 8th election knowing that we've got four more years of Tony Evers, that is a nightmare scenario. Yeah. I am sick of playing defense. We as conservatives need to get back on the offensive. I think I proved that in 2016 when we flipped a long-held Democrat seat. I think we proved that again when I was one of the top targets for the Democrats in 2020, and yet we expanded our margin of victory from four and a half points in 2016 to nearly 13 percentage points in 2020. Wow. So I think we've been able to take a conservative message, have it resonate with a constituency that, that doesn't always view itself as conservative. And if we want to win statewide, we have to appeal to a broader base of individuals. And quite frankly, I would love to get us to a point where Wisconsin statewide races aren't being decided by 20,000 votes, 30,000 votes. I want to see us expand our margins of victory. So hopefully we can turn Wisconsin into a solid, red, pro-growth, conservative state that gets it and will be the gem of not just the Midwest, but the entire country for years and to come. You're exactly right. Let the proof be in the pudding, right? Let, let, let four, let six, let eight years of conservative leadership that is pro-growth, that is pro-business, that is less government, let, let's see that take off, right? I think that's something that a lot of people can get behind. So give me the website one more time. It's patrickteston.com. Patrickteston.com. And I'm assuming there's probably a place there where they can probably volunteer. They can volunteer. They, they can, can donate. donate. They can learn anything about me. and. If there's something that you know we don't have listed on the website, they need questions or answers on, they can always call, give me a call. All my personal contact information is on our website. I'm more than happy to have the conversation. Nice. Well, there are plenty of uh, babies to kiss, hands to shake. We appreciate you dropping by the St. Croix County Fair. Patrick, appreciate it, man. Hey, have thanks for having me. All right, everybody, welcome again to the St. Croix County Fair. I'm Mike. I am the host of the Mike is Always Right podcast. People are clapping. Yeah, I, how about that? I, and I didn't even have to pay them much. <laughs> um, so welcome, everybody, to the fair. I want to take a moment to introduce Mr. David Barnum to you. Everybody say hi to David. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. David is running for lieutenant governor. He's been on the show before, yep. so it's, uh, it's good to have you back. How are things going, man? Things are going well, but they're really busy. Busy, busy. Yeah, just continuing to travel the state. I've done almost 60,000 miles since I got to the race. Wow. When you're a candidate from southwest Wisconsin, you're always going north and you're always going east. So really? it's a lot of time and effort. Yep. I think the, I, I was telling this earlier. I said the only people that are winning are the people selling gas and tires. <laughs> yep, exactly right? right. I mean, 
So, so you've been doing this now how long? How long since you August third of last year? Wow. So, so we're coming up on almost a full year of this. Yep. A lot of places, a lot of dinners, a lot of breakfasts, right? A lot of fairs, a lot of uh, parades, right? Yeah. What are you hearing out there? What are you hearing from the people? People want change. I mean, Tony Evers has been a disaster for the state. People are ready for change. They're concerned about gas prices. They're concerned about inflation. They're concerned about the pocketbook issues. But they're also concerned about protecting the unborn, about lowering our taxes, about rural Wisconsin that seems to get forgotten about by Tony Evers in this current administration. The, these are the things that we refer to as the kitchen table issues. Exactly right. right? And, and suddenly there's not as much food on that kitchen table, right? Yeah. Because things are so darn expensive. Food is, your, your dollar is buying a lot less food than it was when Joe Biden, or before Joe Biden took office. So let's let's break this down a little bit. Let's take maybe just one or two or three key issues, yep. right? And let's let's kind of unpack them. So one of the things that James Carville said back in the day when he was getting Clinton elected was, he said, it's the economy, stupid, right? And then Clinton echoed that. And all they had to do was convince people that Bush was out of touch, right? And boom, we get eight years above us. Yep economy, Wisconsin, we have the tools. You're Lieutenant Governor now, how are we unlocking that door? Well, we're, we're bold in this state. We're bold on lowering our taxes on our businesses, our families, and our individuals. We're out there making sure that we're funding our transportation properly, that rural Wisconsin isn't getting forgotten about. For me, protecting the unborn is very important too, and that's an issue that I've been talking about pretty much nonstop since I got into this race. I'm proud to be endorsed by Wisconsin Right to Life, Pro-Life Wisconsin, and Wisconsin Family Action, as well as my former boss at Focus on the Family, Dr. James Dobson. Literally, you made the hat trick, didn't you? You made the hat trick with all those folks. Hey, that's a hockey term. I'm learning that because I'm from the South, so that's that's a big thing for me. I just use a hockey term. I feel pretty good about it. I'm not going to lie to you. If pro-life and pro-family issues are important to you, I think I'm your candidate with those endorsements because all the major pro-life, pro-family organizations in the state have endorsed me in a field of eight candidates, and I feel pretty good about that. So there's a lot on the gubernatorial. I love using that word, gubernatorial, right? The, the <laughs> it's goobers, a big word. The goobers over, the goobers over there. Um, there's a couple in particular that are talking about taxes, and they're talking about taxing elderly, 65 and over, right? Um, if that happens, if you if you get into the office, when you get into office, you're going to kind of be running point on that. You're going to be kind of working with the legislators and doing some of that Talk to me about some of the things specifically on taxes that, that we're looking yeah. for on the agenda. Well, kind of to your earlier point, I think the lieutenant governor needs to be out there selling these issues because yep. guess what? The liberal media is going to make everything seem like the sky is falling. Yep. And we're going to need all hands on deck. We're going to need an administration and a legislature that is out there actively selling how they're making our life better if Republicans win in November. On tax issues, I think that we need to eliminate the personal property tax. I think we need to eliminate the retirement tax that our seniors are facing. We need to lower our taxes overall because as a former mayor of Lancaster in the southwest corner, we are bordered down there. Our county is bordered by Illinois and Iowa. We are constantly competing with other states for employees yep. and employers. Yep. And guess what? Iowa right now has a lower tax than we do, yep. and we are competing with that. Yep. As the former president of the Grant County Economic Development Corporation, we saw that when we were losing out to companies wanting to go to Iowa because the taxes were lower. Yeah. We need to be competitive in the Midwest. We need to be the leader, I think, on taxes as well as other issues as we talked about. We need to be a leader on pro-life issues. We need to pass constitutional carry in this state. We need to be a leader on the Second Amendment. And I think that the legislature has done a great job. 
but we need a governor and a lieutenant governor that will, will go even further. And, and I, I think you're, you're exactly right. I think the economy, right, will give you that political capital yep. to do other things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's difficult to say we want to do ABC XYZ when you ain't got the 42 cents in your pocket and you're going, well, what do we do now, yep. right? So talk to me again. Let's talk about constitutional carry. Let's talk about the Second Amendment. Yep. Because earlier I was talking with some folks and, and we were talking about how you, you can't have it both ways, right? The left is wanting to defund the police. The left has been spending the last two years vilifying the police, right? Yep. But you can't vilify those guys. You can't defund them and say, oh, by the way, now we're going to take away your right to the Second Amendment to protect yeah. yourself. Exactly right. What, what say you, sir? Well, and there's two issues there that I want to make sure to discuss. So first of all, as mayor of Lancaster, uh, I actually led the charge against efforts to ban hunting on public lands in the city of Lancaster. It very much showed my, my Second Amendment credential, I think, there, because I'm very much a strong believer in that. I'm a member of the NRA. I pushed back against that, and they couldn't even get a second on their motion, which I thought was great news. So I have <laughs> a history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a history of, of fighting for the Second Amendment as well as other issues, and, and we can talk about that as we go along. But on the Second Amendment, I think that we do need to pass constitutional carry in this state, and we need to make sure that we push back against red flag laws and that we are strong supporters of the Second Amendment. But to the police issue, as a mayor of a city, I have seen firsthand what happens when our elected officials vilify our police department. Lancaster used to have more than 70 applicants for open positions, and now it's single digits. Wow. And I've talked to sheriffs, I've talked to police chiefs throughout the state, and they're seeing that as well. Yeah. And that is sad. And when you ask people, why did you leave the profession? Why don't you want to go into the profession? You went to the academy, now you don't want to be an officer, yeah. why? It's because something, they're afraid that something will happen and their elected officials in the media will turn on them. They, they will not get the support. Right. And oh, by the way, these people are gonna be shooting at you, yeah. attempting to kill you, but we're not gonna support you or we'll vilify you no matter what you do. Yeah, we must- hey, sign me up for that, right? We must support our police officers and there's more than one way to do that. But I really think that one way that we can all help with that is when you see a police officer, thank him for his service, thank her for her service. Make sure that we are showing appreciation of these police officers because they would tell you that means a lot to them. And, and, that's, a, and that's a little thing that don't cost you a dime, exactly. right? To say, thank you, officer. God bless you, officer. We appreciate what you're doing. Yes. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, every, every profession has knuckleheads, right? We, right. we, we <laughs> there's a lot in politics, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you, I'll be here all day. Uh, no, <laughs> but you have, you know, you have bad doctors, you have bad barbers, right? I mean, you have, so there is indeed an element in law enforcement that isn't right, that needs to be rooted out. But I think it's terrible when you vilify all of them for that because yeah. of the actions of a few. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I also think, too, that we can go further as elected officials. Now, I'm a former mayor of Lancaster, so there's not, you know, if I'm a lieutenant governor, you better believe I'm going to be pushing for it. But we need our legislature, we need our elected officials to be pushing to do more to help our police officers. We can increase funding so that we have more money for retention and recruitment. And we need to push more to make it easier to come back into it. Yeah. Because right now they have to go all the way, they ha there's a lot of hours, hundreds of hours to come back if you've retired. And I think that's one way we could help our recruitment right now, yeah. is if we could bring back some of these officers that retired after 20 years, but they're willing to come back. I think if we lowered some of those thresholds, that would really help put some experienced officers back on the front lines. Definitely. And I think, you know, to your point, how do you get them back plugged in? How do you get that? Because you've got decades yes. of experience. You've got decades that we could draw from to help us decades down the road. Yep. Right? So it looks like you have a question, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, let, let's talk. 
Okay, my name's Tom. Hello, Tom. And my nephew used to be a police officer here in Glenwood. Okay, so you have a nephew who used to be a police officer. And he got hurt while he was on the job. Yes, sir. The police, the whole damn department, turned the back on him. Okay. And right now, he's just barely getting off welfare. But he's had a hell of a time because the police didn't back him. What do you say to that? I think that we need to, to do more to support our police and our police department and our police officers overall. I don't know the specifics of that case, but it definitely sounds like a situation in which we, we would want to know more and see how we can work through that situation. But I would say as a, as a former mayor myself, that is something that I would have looked at. I would have made sure that the, that was handled properly. And I would, I would urge you to reach out to your elected officials about that as well. Because, because support, support for that, especially after someone gets hurt, Support for that after after somebody gets hurt, especially in the line of duty, right? I mean that that is without a doubt one of the most difficult times that you're going to have as as law enforcement, right? Because you you can't do your job, you got hurt during your job, and now oh by the way, here's a kick in the teeth. We're really not even going to support you. Well, thank you for your question. I appreciate you listening and stopping by. Thank you, sir. So. Let's circle back to the, to the two A in constitutional care. Yep. Okay. We saw just recently a, a mass shooting that had started. Yep. We saw a young man draw his weapon, and I'm gonna tell you what he probably did a lot better than I would. He fired ten shots. He hit eight times. He was at about forty yards. Yep. Ended it just like that, right? Why does it seem this rush to make it harder to arm safe? responsible citizens in our society. And let's back up to your earlier point. I would say, why aren't we hearing more about that? Oh, yeah. Why aren't we hearing more about oh, yeah. the, the yeah. fact that this person saved all of those lives? Yeah. It's because it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't fit the left's doesn't fit the narrative. Narrative and it doesn't fit the media's narrative. Yep. And at the end of the day, if you look back at the statistics of all the mass shootings that have occurred over the last few decades, you'll see that most of them have, have occurred in gun-free zones. Yep. And that is not something that the media really wants to talk about. It's yep. not something the left wants to talk about. But on the right, we know it. We, we see it firsthand, and that's why we're such not only strong supporters of the Second Amendment, but efforts to make sure that we are allowing people to protect themselves if they so choose. And I think that, that gun-free zones basically send out a nice big you know sign that says, kill me or rob me. I can't defend myself. We, we have seen in some of these mass shootings that people were specifically looking for gun-free zones. Yeah. And, it, it, and how scary is that? Yeah. So let's talk about, let's, let's switch gears for a second, okay? And let's talk about right to life. Let's yeah. talk about the overturning of Roe. Let's talk about what the path forward is because I think that, and, and, and maybe I'm generalizing, okay? But I think that a lot of people thought, yay, it's over. Yay, we're protecting life. Yay, Rose overturned. Awesome. But now we're kind of looking around going, well, what's next? Yeah. Well, and I will say this. It was awesome. It was great. It was a wonderful day. I was very emotional about it because it's something that's been very important to me for over 20 years since I became a Christian in college. And really, I'm not, I wasn't sure that this day was ever going to come. Yeah. So what an amazing moment it was. Yeah. But I think there's a several things that we can do more of. For starters, I think that we need to pull back the Planned Parenthood funding that went with the COVID relief money that Evers gave them. I think that we need to ban the sale 
of, of aborted baby body parts in our state. We can do more. You mean but those I, tiny humans that aren't actually humans? We're selling their body parts. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. It's something that we should have taken care of long ago. Yep. But I also think, too, that we need to be really mindful as conservatives that there are efforts to change the law that we have on the books. Yeah. And we need to be really careful about some of those Republicans out there that are already talking about trying to, quote, modernize it or to change it. But I also want to point out, too, that we had a televised debate on Thursday, the, the first and only lieutenant governor televised debate. On Wednesday, the day before, the Democrats had one. And they had a question about abortion. And they were asked, well, would you compromise if the Republicans would agree to a 20-week ban, would you agree? And neither one of them wanted to. And they didn't want to put a number on it. And folks, that's what we're up against. We're up against a side that really just wants to have no restrictions on it whatsoever. And even though they want to talk about it being rare, or that's kind of been their mantra through the years, that's not really what they're looking for. And so we as conservatives really need to be on guard for that. We need to hold the line, and we need to continue to protect life, because I firmly believe that we are the party that wants to protect life at all of its stages. So there's like... I don't know what, 37, 38 candidates for lieutenant governor? No, I'm kidding. There's I thought it was 42. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> holy cow, there, there's a lot of people. So as we as we kind of look to wrap up, because there are a lot of hands that need to be shaken. There's a lot of babies <laughs> need to be kissed. That's what politicians do, right? Make your pitch, man. What 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 separates you? Um, and I'm almost going to ask, you know, let us know how to find out more about you, yep. right? Website, things like that. How can we give? All, all that great stuff. But... You, you, you have a captive audience right now and they're wondering why should we vote for you versus this person or that yeah. person or any other the 47 candidates right <laughs> make that pitch I, I want to hear what your pitch is so there's a field of eight and these are good people I've been on the road with them for months these are good people we have we have good options but I think that my background makes me very unique having worked for Dr. Dobson at Focus on this family as his legislative analyst having worked as a member of an aide to a member of congress from southern california on housing water and transportation issues in suburban los angeles escaping southern california should yes. be one of the main escaping. things like we were almost neighbors we were able yeah. to escape you know. for your audience that doesn't know this about us we actually at one point lived a few miles from each other yes. in southern california and we got out <laughs> we should have t-shirts made right we escaped, i survived yeah i survived we escaped the communist state of southern california but I, i've been a stay-at-home dad since my oldest was born and, and right around the time that my youngest started preschool was when I was elected mayor and and I served as a rural mayor in southwest Wisconsin I'm the only candidate on either ticket for any statewide office from southwest Wisconsin I think that we need to have someone on the ticket that is not from the southeast side of our state I think we need to have an administration and a ticket running in November that reflects our state because guess what the Democrats don't reflect our state. Yep. And we need to reflect our state yep. because that's where our support comes from. It is statewide and we need to be able to talk about these issues that Tony Evers has forgotten about or ignored. Yep. I also think when it comes to pro-life, it is a heart issue for me. As I talked about earlier, I'm one of eight candidates, but I'm the only candidate endorsed by both Wisconsin Right to Life and Pro-Life Wisconsin. I'm the only candidate endorsed by Wisconsin Family Action and by Dr. James Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family. If pro-family, pro-life issues are important to you, I'm your candidate, because I have the endorsements of every major pro-life and pro-family group in this state. But I've also been there. As mayor of Lancaster, I was the first mayor in more than 20 years to use the veto, and I did it multiple times and the threat of it multiple times to keep our property taxes the lowest of any city in Grant County, to keep our utility fees the lowest of any city in Grant County. I used the threat of a veto to stop 
a ban on hunting on our public properties in our, in our city. So when I talk about being a strong defender of the Second Amendment, I've done it. I've been out there on the front lines and I did what I said I was gonna do. I think that is important to have experience, but I am the only one that has served as a chief executive of a city, of a government, running for lieutenant governor, and I'm outside Madison, and I think that's important too. Bring someone who has been in our rural communities working to get things done, has a track record, and has a heart that wants to protect life. I think that's important. I think that makes me very unique in this race. So how I, can people find you? You can find out more about me at davidvarnum.com or on Facebook at David Varnum for Lieutenant Governor and on Twitter at dvarnum and Varnum is spelled V as in victory, A-R-N-A-M. I like it, I like it, I like it. Get out and vote. An educated electorate is a strong, smart electorate. Give me the website one more time. DavidVarnum.com. Make sure that we're reaching out on social media. you got questions, you can see David's platform. You can be able to donate online because uh, it takes a lot of money to uh, shake hands and kiss babies and put lots of miles on your car. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you so much right. for hanging out with Thank us. Thank you, Mike. God bless you. And God bless your listeners. Hey everybody, this is Mike from the Mike is Always Right podcast. Very good to see everybody out there at the St. Croix County Fair. I am here with uh, Miss Cindy Werner. Cindy is running for Lieutenant Governor of this beautiful, amazing state of Wisconsin. Cindy, how the heck are you today? I am blessed. I, I am truly blessed. I have had a tremendous opportunity traveling across the state, talking to people, and sometimes even getting in trouble, sometimes but that's okay. You're it's getting good in just trouble. a little bit of trouble. A little bit of okay, trouble. A little bit of yes. trouble. So we had the opportunity to hang out last county fair. Yes. So we're we're coming full circle a couple of weeks until the primary, and uh, you are literally everywhere at once. We were just talking about the only people winning right now are the people selling gas and tires. Exactly. Right. Because exactly. there's a lot of miles to cover. I have put over a hundred and ten thousand miles on my vehicle. You know what? You know what's funny is I was talking about this earlier. You, you look at a state like, uh, let's say Delaware, right? Yeah. You make do Delaware in a day, right? <laughs> we, I mean, yeah. we, we, we can hit everybody, right? And, exactly. and, and hang out would be great. Um, a state like Texas. It may take us a couple weeks. Exactly. Right, or a month exactly. or so, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy, but um, Wisconsin ain't no slouch. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of counties. There's a lot of county fairs. And pancake breakfasts. And Ooh. I mean, if I was running, I'd probably weigh at least 60 pounds. Okay. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> I mean, I ain't gonna lie to you. It, well, would be, it would be bad. Well, the thing is, is that the breakfast, I'm so glad they're over because, like I said, I could not eat one more pancake. We went through seasons, didn't we? It was right. the dinner season for a while, exactly. right? And we were all getting together and then the dinners. breakfast, and, and then now they're the like, fairs. Let's, let's carve up, let's do breakfasts now for a couple exactly. of months, right? Exactly. So, I am, I, it, it is amazing, Mike, the, the generosity, the people that are willing to pray for you, that are willing to, to support you. This has been one tremendous experience, and I am hoping and praying that God has put me on the path to continue after August 9th. So I need your support. I need folks to be out there. I need them to get to the polls. I need them to take 10 other people to the polls. Take your friends, take your neighbors, right. take your enemies. Exactly. Take them all. Exactly. So, so let me ask you this. You've crossed. You've talked to a lot of people. You've done the breakfasts. You've done the dinners. What are you hearing? What are what are people telling you? Because there seems to be a hunger, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There seems to be a hunger for we want authenticity. Exactly. We want transparency. 
What are some of the big issues that they're bringing to you in this lieutenant governor race? They're bringing to me issues that are just the type that impact you and the ones that impact me. They're bottom line. Yeah. You know, um, when I'm in North Milwaukee, which is the heart of our urban city, yeah. when I'm there and I'm knocking on doors, usually I, I listen for two things. I listen to see if I hear the sound of a gun being cocked, <laughs> or I listen to see if I'm hearing a pit bull because they have a distinct bark. They they definitely do. And so now now the, don't lie to me. When you hear a click, do you go, "Oh, that's a nine. Oh, oh, somebody's got a forty-five of there. Nineteen. I mean, no, no, I'm kidding. no, I just stepped back, just a, little just step back a little bit. I stepped back a little bit to make sure that I give them enough leeway enough so they know, know, right? They know okay. that I'm not there for anything nefarious. Because because on the back end. Uh huh. People are got to be concerned a lot with crime, right? Yes. That's what. That's why. You hear that clock. You hear that clock. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So the thing is, is that going into uh, Sherman Park, into the north part of Milwaukee, the thing that I'm hearing from people is, well, girl, you know, when um, Trump was in office, I spent four hundred dollars on my EBT card, and I could eat for a month. Boom. A month, I could eat. Now that Biden's in office, that $400, I can't eat for two weeks. Yeah. So see, that's where our Republican Party needs to be. Our Republican Party needs to be talking about issues, talking about bottom line issues. Not the Republican Party is good, the Democrat Party is bad. They need to be talking about issues, issues that impact people everyday lives. And they will have that crossover that they need. Yeah. Because uh, the late uh, uh, Jerome Smith, he was the pastor uh, at Greater Praise, he said to me one time, he said, people don't know how much you care until they see how much you care. Yeah. So it has going, to be a tangible right, thing. Exactly, right, right? exactly, exactly. So going into neighborhoods like Sherman Park on the north side, not just hitting it once or hitting it twice, but constantly being they, they down there. seeing your face. Exactly. Do you, do you think that's the issue? I was talking offline with some folks earlier, and it, uh -huh. it was like, any time they come to us is when they want our vote. Exactly. But once they get our vote, two, four, maybe six years, right? We don't see nothing. We throw a barbecue and nobody's showing exactly. up. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's that to me is a little bit, I would say, disingenuous, right? Exactly. On, on the part of a politician. So you're talking about consistency. Exactly. Which maybe we're not getting a lot of. We are. We are not. Um, with my campaign, I am. I'm trying to make the. Now, now hold circuit. on. These are my friends from yesterday. Hello, hey, friends from yesterday. Good to see you back again. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. I'm Mike. Hello. Hi. Mike on the right. My, I'm, I'm Mike and I'm always right. How Here are you, you go. I'm going to give you my, my uh, information. This is I'm the greatest thing about the fair. Lieutenant like, Governor. You see people and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Like, we're doing a recording and just having some fun and we'll see people and say hi to them. So where are you guys from? Boysville. Help me out. Uh, no, no. I'm, what? What's what it's, county? What county? Yeah. Yes. What Dunn county? county. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you're All just right. up here hanging out at the fair. Moved up here almost two years ago. Nice. Okay. Nice. My family's up here. My niece and nephew. I would come up and visit. They promised to go home and. Might I'm as well nephew. move. Thank you. <laughs> if you got to go to the barn, you better have them on. So finally I said, you know what? Why why the hell not? I'll move up here for you too. There you go. There you go. My sister's up here, my brother in law, niece, nephew. I got a bunch of other people up here I know too. Mm -hmm. so. There nice. you go. Don't get to see them, but 
him very often. Nice. But well, now this, you is, do. this is the second day I saw you, so I wanted to acknowledge you and say hi. You know, you can't. You can't hi. Yeah, there we go. You can't walk by without getting a hi. So okay. You guys have a great. See, this is why I like the fair. Yes. This yes. is why I like coming here. And and contrary to popular belief, it's not the mini donuts. That's what you would think. <laughs> the mini donuts. That's what they're okay. good. They're yes. good, but that's that's not the okay. why. So, so right. we were talking about transparency. We're talking right. about people being Consistent. present and consistency, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's not just that. Uh, when Pastor Smith was alive, um, we used to have once a week uh, in the summertime, I would go there, load up my pickup truck, and take food baskets. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what the church always did. The yep. church took care of community. Yep. And that's what we need to get back to. We oh, need yeah. to get back to more of a community and more of a church type of orientation rather than the government. But but and, and that's where I think you're you're maybe talking a little crazy talk here because the government wants us dependent on them. Exactly. And uh, we'll see how far that's gotten us so yep, far. Exactly. Because right? I, I talk when I'm, I'm in the, my urban area and I'm talking to people and I will tell them, I said, you know, they gave us food, they gave us housing, they gave us everything to make us dependent upon them yeah. because they wanted to be our savior. Yep. We have no savior in government. Yeah. It's our Lord and Jesus. That's yeah. our savior. Whatever the whatever the question is, if government's the answer, it's a pretty foolish question. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so I've heard it said, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I'm just kind of kind of want to because well, what you're saying, I have heard it said that people don't care about January 6th in the context. Mm -hmm. People don't care about 2020 in the context because people are caring about the fact that they can't afford groceries. They can't afford fuel. Right. They're having rampant crime. Mm -hmm. There's fentanyl coming over the border. Right. And people are literally ODing and dying. Right. Mm -hmm. These are the issues that I think people are discussing when they're talking to you. Right. I mean, this is the real life stuff. Right. They are talking about those issues, but they are still concerned about the integrity of our election. Of course. They're, they're still concerned about that. But more importantly it's a matter of convincing people that what we saw happen in 2020 won't happen in 2022 i cannot guarantee them that yeah because at this stage of the game right exactly yeah. i cannot i have advocated for us going back to paper ballots um france just had an election yep. they just they're just a little bit larger than wisconsin yep, yep. if france can do it wisconsin can do it and you know we're talking about forward then that's where wisconsin needs to be yeah, yeah. but yes those bottom line issues are very impact they're driving are, yes they're they, driving right now yes they are they are and those are the issues that are really resonating yeah you know so much so that we've had organizations hi so much so that we've had organizations that have been out there giving uh gas cards yeah to um, people to help them out a yep. little of the pain and the sad thing is that it doesn't look genuine yeah and I've had people say to me that's not genuine they're yeah. just trying to buy my votes just yeah, like the Democrat yeah go, going but, back to the Obama right right exactly, <laughs> right, right exactly exactly but that's that's not the case and, and it's a matter of if you start something, continue to yeah. do that. Yeah. But yes, people are people are concerned about the crime. We were talking yesterday about um, social justice. And, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and for and those quotes. of you not in uh, radio and podcast land, we're throwing up 
the air, air quotes. Yes, exactly, right? exactly. Social justice. Right, and, and one of the things they talked about was defunding the police. When I'm talking to people uh, in our urban areas, heck, even in our suburban areas, yeah. they don't want to defund the police. Yep. Because especially in our urban areas, the response time, it may be the next day. Yeah. And that's just being honest. Yeah. Help, the response help time. police murder. Right. We'll get to you Tuesday between right. 12 and 2. I'm not exactly. scheduling cable. I'm getting murdered. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so the thing is, is that one of the things that, that I keep hearing from elderly people in regards to defunding the police, they don't want to see that happen. Yeah. Because they have a hard enough time being a prison in their own home yep. because of the safety issues in their communities. Yep. So that's a no-no. So I truly believe that we need to have it to where defunding the police is not a good thing. Yep. Not at all. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't right. defund the police and then take away our Second Amendment rights. Exactly. You can't have it both ways. Exactly. Because as they said to me, uh, I had a lady say to me, well, what am I going to do when the police doesn't come? then you need to learn how to get yourself armed. Exactly. Well, and, that, and that's what, you know, a lot of people have said, and I always have this little joke that I say, you know, why why do you carry why do you carry a gun, mm -hmm. right? Well, why does a cop carry a gun? To protect himself. Why do I carry a gun? Because a cop is too heavy, <laughs> right? Exactly, like, and, exactly. And, that, and that's the problem. You can't have it both ways. Right, right. So if you can't get that protection, we need to be able to safely right. and responsibly have people able to protect themselves. Exactly, exactly. You know, my nephew started an organization called Black Guns Matter. And he started that organization in Philadelphia. And his focus was on helping elderly people yeah. learn how to carry yep. Yep. because they were being robbed when they came from the grocery store. Yep. That's how he got his start, was helping elderly people learn how to become concealed carry. Yeah, because as soon as those social security checks come, Exactly. They cash them. Yeah. They're, they're like yeah. walking ATMs. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and they're too frail to defend themselves. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. They're running all over the place. So <laughs> losing, losing that voice. But it has been, like I said, Mike, this has been a tremendous opportunity. This has been a tremendous blessing because I tell people, you know, I was born in rural America, raised in the projects of Philadelphia, served in the United States Army, and only in America can I see that American dream and be running for lieutenant governor. Yeah. A black woman who happens to be conservative, out of the projects, focused on the future for Wisconsin. So we got a couple weeks left. Give me the ask. What do we, what do we need? Where are you going to be at? How can people find out more about you, okay. right? Let, let's talk about that because I know that there's a couple things that, that politicians need, no matter who they are. Right. They need places to speak, babies to kiss, right? Exactly. Hands to shake. Exactly. And they need money to make all that happen. Right. And they need to get people to the polls. Right. So if you go on Facebook to Cindy Warner, C-I-N-D-Y-W-E-R-N-E-R, if you go to Facebook and um, ask, ask for a friend request, I'll go ahead and, and let you join my my circle. But July 25th, I'm having a 10-county um, event. Wow. And uh, it's it's uh, Shawano County and surrounding areas. But for this area, uh, St. Croix area, July 28th, we're having uh, David, David Clark 
who uh, is the former sheriff of Milwaukee. He's going to be our keynote speaker. And we're doing a law and order rally. Nice. And that's going to be in Burnett County. Okay. So it's not too far yeah, for those that live in, in the St. Croix area yep. to come join us yep. on July 28th. St. Croix, Pierce, Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it will give them an opportunity to not only hear the message from um, Sheriff Clark, but it will also give them an opportunity to grill me, yeah. put me through the paces. Yeah. And I want everyone. Never, ever. <laughs> I, I always tell, uh, quote, unquote, leadership in our party that um, if you really want to keep an eye on me, don't let me don't let me be away from the table. Right, right. If you really want to keep best, an eye on me. The best place to put me is at the table at so the you table. know exactly, exactly where I'm at. Right, exactly. And I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you anyway. Yeah. But um, my website is www.werner, the number four, actual right four out. Actual number four. Four, right. LTGOV.com. Nice. Or just Google Cindy Warner for yep. Lieutenant Governor. Yep. And uh, you will be able to connect to my website. And you'll be able to um, get a chance to ask me anything. Yeah, I see all don't your policy stances, right, all that exactly, great stuff. Exactly. And there should also be a nice button that says donate. donate. Right, exactly. Because gas prices are very high. Right. And um, today my uh, schedule took me Racine. Uh, Lacrosse, St. Croix, and I'll have to go back to Milwaukee. But uh, that's because I'm going to be in. Um, we have a, a picnic tomorrow. Come on, got to go to my county picnic. Makes sense, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, Mike, I really truly appreciate all the um, efforts that you're doing to help candidates get known. Um, you know, also Mark Bellings. I'm sure some of you have heard yeah, of Mark Mark's been Bellings. Doing some great work, right? Yep. He did an assessment on uh, the eight candidates that are running. And his assessment was that there are two candidates he would vote for. Yep. Uh, and those two candidates, one was an insider, an inside man. I'm not an inside woman. Or, or an inside man because I know what a woman is. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we won't even get into that here. But the other thing he said was that if you want a strong grassroots voice at the table, Cindy Warner is that person. So I was very honored to have him to say that. I was very blessed that he was willing to um, take the time to do that assessment. Yep, yep. And I'm very glad that people are doing more and more to get to know the candidates because you never know. There we go. A another photo op. Another photo. We're doing another, <laughs> we're doing another photo op. Okay. So, so yeah, so that that's that's where I am and I, I am so blessed to be a part of this. So win, lose, or draw. I am going to be continue. on the Mike Always Right podcast I again. Certainly right? Okay, good. Will. I certainly will. And we're going to party. We're going to party in Milwaukee at the 2024 uh, <laughs> RNC convention. convention. Yeah, that's going to be and great. If, and if we don't get it in Milwaukee, we're going to head on over to Nashville and get with uh, uh, Dr. Carol Swain. Yep. We're going to get with her, Come and she's going to help us out. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, Cindy Warner for Lieutenant Governor, and I'm asking people to go to my webpage, look me over. You'll see that I am the choice that will be that voice. So thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Cindy. All righty, we're going to take that photo now.
All right, captures. everybody, welcome back to the St. Croix County Fair 2022. Lovely weather we are having and or expecting. I am Mike. I am the host of the Mike is Always Right podcast, and we are here with Lieutenant Governor Candidate Kyle Utes. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Now, this is an interesting thing. This is a complete and utter failure on my part, but this is the first time we've been able to record. I, I have honestly been, I've been busy. I know you've been busy. <laughs> yeah, and I so it's, it's really good to be able to catch up with you and kind of talk about uh, your candidacy and what you're seeing, what you're hearing. So let, let's, let's start first off. Why this? <laughs> people, people have said, did you fall and hit your head and now you want to get into politics? Like, why would someone do this? And I was one of those people. <laughs> you know, for the two years prior, I was going around Minnesota, Wisconsin, educating people, getting them active to take a stand, to not wait for government to come and rescue them and realize the power is within us, we the people. Yeah. And I had people ask me to run for governor. I had people ask me to run for just about every seat you can imagine. And I always laughed and said, no, I'm <laughs> That's not, not a me, politician. Man. Sorry. <laughs> I, I will get behind people. I'll help them. I'll do whatever it takes. But then I'm that, not that dude. Then that fateful day when Mr. Biden uh, decided to take it into his own hands to put out an unlawful unconstitutional order that forced people to take an experimental drug or lose their job or yeah. whatever the case may be, that's when something deep inside said, you have to step in, you have to do something, you have to run for something. Yeah, I, I normally call that the Popeye syndrome. I stands all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Exactly. I mean, there, there's a tipping point, right? It, exactly. You only can be pushed so far. Yeah. And even though I was very active yep. and I was helping people in two different states and then I was also helping people all over the nation with the uh, national call, crisis call line, um, it, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah. I, I had to do something in my home state. Yeah. And that's when I started looking at different races. And the thing that really bothered me, and it still bothers me to this day because it's we just had a debate at UW-Milwaukee, and it was never even talked about, it was never even mentioned, is when I looked at everybody that declared by that time, and I declared back in the end of October, not one person was talking about what happened over the last two years, freedom or accountability. And to me, it's just a tragedy that people, one of the biggest things that have ever happened in the history of the U.S. is just swept under the rug. We, we just all lived through it and now it's... Right, and they're, they're focusing on the buzzword topics, the buzzword issues. And that really spoke to me and that's why I jumped into this race because we need somebody and to not only back the governor up, bring these great ideas, but who's been fighting for us. We're all sick of the people that have just sat out there and talk, 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 but yeah. there's no action. Yeah. They say they've been fighting for years or, or they're, they're fighting for you, but what have they done? Yeah. They have nothing tangible to show. Yeah, I, I like one of the things that, that 45 had said was, I don't want people fighting for me anymore. I want people winning. Yes. What are, what are you doing? Yes. Right? And, and you know, I, I just last week came across this great uh, quote from an American everybody quotes T-Bone Pickens. Okay. You, you know the guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, and, he's pretty big in Texas, I'll tell you that much. Right? And he says, uh, a plan without action isn't a plan, it's a speech. Yeah. And for years, we've all sat there, myself included. And that's what we've got. Watch the commercials. Yep, yep. And then we sit there and yell at him, you're a liar, you're yep, going to turn yep. your back. 
But they're the best choice of the less evil person. We vote them in, and sure enough, they turn their back. Yeah. You know? And well, and the commercials are always the same. I'm just like you. Yep. Send me here, because I'm just like you. I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Yep. And yep. Uh, I, I really? will fight for you. Okay, yeah. Buckwheat, what have you been doing what have to you done? fight for us? And, that, and, that, and that's a fair question. I don't think that's ideologically extreme or, or you know, something that is, is weird. I think it's okay to say, what have you done for me? Because you're supposed to be serving me as a elected official. Right. Right? Yep. And I, I love going to these caucuses, these Lincoln Day dinners and other places where there's senators, there's congressmen, uh, even with Ron Johnson in there. Where the hell have you been? Our yep. freedom was stolen next to life itself. That's the most important thing in life. Where have you been? What have you done? And all you hear is crickets, and you look out over the audience, and you see people going, yeah, but they don't want to speak up and really go, yeah, and, and get in yeah. their face. Yeah. But at the same time, they should be saying it, you know, cordially. Yeah, of course. Where are you? What are you doing? Yep. How come you didn't stand up for us? How come you allowed this to happen? Yep. And I think, now, let me ask you this. Do you think there has to be a good balance of that? Because, obviously... We can't go back to the past because it's the past, right? I get that. You've got to learn those lessons. Right. You you can't, like you had said, your, your exact words were sweeping under the rug. I, I don't think anybody wants to do that. We can't go back. We've got to use that to go forward. I don't know if all of our elected officials are doing that. It just kind of seems to be something that we, we want to push forward. I remember, uh, I think that was one of the things that Obama, forward, forward, forward. Yep. If we don't learn from back there, how do we push forward? Exactly. And you have so many people that are worried about covering up their crimes, their trail of disaster, that they're throwing everybody and anybody under the bus they can. Yeah. And they obviously aren't learning from the past. Yeah. And, you know, I've come across a lot of legislators that they don't think anything was wrong. They, they listened to ledge counsel. That this said, just happened. Yeah. Well, the, the governor could do that. He has constitutional power. And I always look at them and say... Here's a problem. Go read what the definition of inalienable means. We have unalienable rights. It means it can't be taken away. Then read the definition of liberty. You failed. You have an oath of office. You were in the military, correct? No, I was actually the fire service. Oh, you were in fire I, service. I was, I was okay, my bad. Uh, got you confused but, uh, but with somebody I, else. But I understand that. But but there's an oath you take yeah, there's to defend an oath. the Constitution, yep, the yep. laws of the state. And you're serving You're serving your, your, the public. Correct. You're doing the best you can. And I think a lot of people was was uh, doing stupid things, bad things, wrong things, but then even worse was almost the apathy to do nothing. Exactly. And, and, and I don't know which is worse. <laughs> we're, we're so sick of the rhinos yeah. in our party, and they you notice when they talk, they always want you to focus on the Democrats, what the Democrats are doing. Let's not forget your inactivity and some of the things you actually voted for yeah, or voted against. Yep allow this to happen yep and we have several of those people in this race and that's why i've been screaming loud been running the beating the drums hey yep. this is wrong we want to clean up our party that's we have to do that before we can focus on the other side yep, yep. we know what they did we have to get the bad people out of our party we got, we got to clean our house yeah that, that makes sense so so let me ask you you've done uh, the, the Lincoln Day dinners and the Reagan dinners and whatever other dinner you're invited to. You've done the breakfasts, right? Yep. I mean, uh, it, it, it gets overwhelming every now and again, but you've, you've talked to a lot of people. You've been to a lot of places. You've done the debates. You've done that stuff. If you had to summarize, like, what you're hearing from the average constituent, 
people are coming up to you and talking to you. We, we had a good exchange about some of the stuff that's more ideological and why you did what you did, but what are you hearing from them? What, what's their main concern? So this, this all started for me as being a small business uh, owner and insurance agent. This all started for me day one of the lockdowns yep. when some of my insureds who were bi business owners were like, hey, uh, this is going to kill us. Yeah. And all of a sudden, their businesses started shutting down. I started watching lives be destroyed, families ripped apart. And, and unfortunately, some of the people just couldn't handle the pressure. They couldn't handle the loss of you know the divorce or losing their business uh let they felt like they're letting their especially the ones that lost their family business they thought that they let generations of their family down they took their own lives yeah wow. and, and that's what really got me going and for the two plus years that i was doing this uh out there before i'm hearing the exact same thing and the anger is only getting more and more and more uh Elevated, yeah, and, and so what? What I'm hearing is people want freedom, people want accountability, and uh, until we get that, they're they're done with everything political. Uh, you know, I was just at a major uh, festival out in Kadat, Wisconsin. Uh, it's, it was a rock fest, and I, I had the opportunity to meet so many veterans, so many first responders, law enforcement, and people, not just from Wisconsin, but from all over the U.S., and it is all the same thing. We want our freedom back. If yeah. we don't hold the people responsible for the last two years accountable, it doesn't matter who we elect. We could yeah. have Ron DeSantis as our governor, but if they're going to continue to uh, just roll over our rights and violate the law, it it's doesn't the easy matter. Thing to do? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you just look at what happened uh, the last couple of days with uh, the Wisconsin Election Commission saying that or putting out a, a statement or guidelines that they're going to tell the clerks, go ahead and ignore the laws. Yeah. You can do what you yeah. want. Doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. We, we are really living in Gotham. I'm just looking for the mutants, but give that uh, give that shot enough give time, we bit. might have some yeah, mutants. Yeah, no kidding. So, how can people get involved? Because here, here's the thing. You have very many other candidates, right? Right. Um, all, all told, you're probably looking at somebody winning with 20-something percent, right? Just because yep. you're splitting it so much, right? Yep. So this is crunch time, and I, I've said this before. This is this is my joke. I don't know if we can legally say barnstorming because we're not in Iowa, but you got a lot of stuff going on. You're going to be in a lot of different places, right? How can people better understand you, website, social media, things of that nature? How can they volunteer? How can they give? Because I, I, was, I was talking the other day, I was like, the only people that seems they're winning right now is people selling gas and tires. Right. Because, I mean, y'all are putting tens of thousands of miles and going through all the fuel. And so, so how do people get to know you? How do people get to know more about your campaign? So first and foremost, I've said since the beginning, even before I became a candidate, this is not about me. This is about our freedom. This is about our future. And, and we need to get involved. That's why over the last two years, I've told people, if you don't like your county party, join it. Get involved and get active and reshape and reform it to what the founders of this party uh, founded it on. And that is freedom yep. for everybody, yep. not just for Republicans, but for everybody. Yep. So that's how you get involved. You have to get involved with your, your GOP. And if your GOP sucks, like I said, find a Patriot Party, get them involved, and take it over. Yep. Make it what you need to make it. 
The other thing is, become a poll worker. Yeah. Become a poll watcher. Yeah. We need to even out those odds. Yeah. If 86% of Democrats are watching and working the polls, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. We have to get What, what sort of shenanigans is that coming? Right? Right. Hey, come on, let's be honest. Yeah. So, uh, as far as me, you, you can go to youths4ltgovernor.com. Okay. And you can see a platform. You can link to uh, my social media. Okay. And you can see all my press releases. Uh, not only have I been active ever since I got in here, I continue to be active. I'm, I'm putting out plans forward. Everybody talks about, hey, we got to get rid of DPI. I agree. How do you do it? Here's my plan. Yeah. Because it's not it's not one thing to say. Let's get rid of this. Okay. Well, how? Yep. Everybody pisses moans about. I've been censored. I've been censored. Trust me. I know I'm being censored. I can't even share my event image yeah. in Messenger and is saying cannot deliver. Yeah. It, it, it's ridiculous. I put out an online free free speech bill of rights. Nobody else is doing that. Yeah. And then uh, the last thing I did, I, I addressed the election issues and all that. But uh, you know, and I, I rebut Robin Boss and Fisit Gerald or whatever his name is, and anybody else that says there's nothing we can do. I show them in the law what you can do. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I did, and the most important thing is. In the first 60 days, what do I plan to work on the governor with? And, uh, and, and, that, and that's a great question because when you look at it, we've, we've kind of talked about this before with other candidates, lieutenant governor spot is really a blank slate, right? right? There's only like really one thing constitutionally you have to do, which is just be able to step in if there's a problem with the governor, right? Yep. But it's kind of wide open subject to interpretation as to who the governor is, what sort of agenda we're going towards. So now you've got a blank slate, where, where are we going? So a lot of people look at it as just that. Hey, it's a do-nothing job, and I get to be the next in line. And it's a st stepping stone to governor, right? I don't care. I don't care about being in office for years and years. I don't care about becoming governor. I don't care about you know becoming a lobbyist or assembly or senate. That's not what I'm doing this for. I want to work with the governor. I want to work with the legislature and, and the AG. I don't care if I get credit or they get credit. But here's what I've done. Here's what I have set in stone, ready to happen. Let's make Wisconsin. Let's out Florida, DeSantis. Let's make Wisconsin the place of freedom. That's ultimately was about. We accomplished what we need to accomplish, and for me, it's simple: accountability, get our freedom back. I'm done in four years. I will. I will happily help somebody else step into my seat. I, I don't need the the office. I want. I, what I need is freedom back. So in the first 60 days, uh, one thing is we end the pandemic, day one. We have to have a governor that's willing to look at that and go, yes, this is not statute-wise, either state or federal, an emergency. And it doesn't even meet the emergency de uh, definition in Webster Miriam. So yeah. how, how, so are, how we are we doing this? Yeah, Let, how are we doing this? tell the federal government enough. Yep. Another thing, and, and the biggest thing is, there's, there's a lot to my 60-day plan, but we have to have that accountability. I actually have world-renowned experts in their respective fields that are committed to coming to Wisconsin, testify in front of our governor, our AG, and our legislature. My idea is to put it on WISIS so all the state can see it, and they'll tell you what was the crime, why it was a crime, what the penalty should be, and who should be held responsible. And then it's up to the legislature and our AG and our governor to make sure it's some heads roll, because until heads roll, Nobody is going to be held accountable, and we're going to have what's happening just this week. Weck saying, 
that uh, <laughs> no, you know, we're good. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ballots. We don't need to follow, follow use, those laws. Use the ballot boxes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we just can't have that. The, you, you asked before, what are people saying? We're sick of being the serfs. They're supposed to work for us, and there's people in this race that they're not working for us. Yeah. In fact, they they've been quoted by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel as saying they knew the ballot boxes were illegal all the time. So now they're knowingly and willingly accomplices to that crime. Yeah. Those people, whether they're nice or not, they need to be held accountable one way or another. And to me, that should disqualify them from even being in office. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So give me the website one more time. Youths4ltgovernor.com. You can link to my social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Telegram. I'm on True Social, Parler, MeWe. I've got 37 <laughs> different social media accounts. Now, is it Youths the number four or F O R? I just want to make sure. F O R. Okay, so yes. Youths4ltgov.com. Yep. And, and we're, governor. And we're governor. Governor.com. Governor. Yes. Sorry. So I want to make sure we made that delineation. And uh, there are plenties of plenty of, uh, of people to shake hands, plenty of babies to kiss. We appreciate you dropping by. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Let's check in. Let's see what happens next. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.